something, and a month before he said that, I had written this down as the title of my sermon. And he had said, uh, Judd Martin said last Sunday, Paul was reminding Timothy that he was there for a reason and to buckle up, get back in the pulpit and keep the process moving forward. And uh, is this going to work? Nope. Can you move to the next slide there for me, guys? Um, And that's the title a month ago when Pastor Jake asked me to start preparing for this. I titled my sermon, Buckle Up, It Could Save Your Life. And I hope that uh, as we go through this, you, you think about the importance of that in how your walk and journey with God is. How safe are you on your journey going forward? So let's read the scriptures together. Uh, Matthew, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Follow along with me in your Bibles, if you will. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of our God and Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and apostle. I am not telling the truth. Sorry, I am telling the truth. I am not lying as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So as I spent time praying about that and seeing through the whole book of Timothy, what, what is Paul's deepest concerns? And it took me back to, if you just follow, go back with me then to chapter 1, verse 19. And this what really stuck out to me there was, He says to Peter just before verse 90, fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. It is a fight. It is a battle. It's a continual battle for me to stay faithful, to stay following God. Because what he calls you to do is out of the norm. And there's not many people doing it either. You have to be brave and courageous to be able to do it. So fight the good fight. And then in verse 9 it says, keeping faith and a good conscience which some have rejected and suffered shipwrecked in regard to their faith. So that is huge. It made me think about, what was he saying there? That some of us can be shipwrecked. We can stumble in our faith. Absolutely, you can. This is a tough journey to follow Christ. And as John just said there in that book that he's reading, are you a fan of Jesus Christ? Are you just following on what you know about Him. It's a nice thing. They're nice people that know Jesus Christ. Or are you 100% committed to follow Him? And like John said there, some of the disciples, when He hit the hard question, they walked away. They said, oh, I'm not up for this. Are you up for it? It is tough. And how do we get through it? Can you imagine Timothy getting told by Paul all about this, seeing Paul's life, his beatings, jail sentencing and all this, and this man still strives on for what Jesus Christ stands for. And then he's telling Timothy, fight the good fight. It's going to be tough. So I thought about that, and I thought it's, I think building up on that, Paul's concern in the first chapters is preparing him to understand there are false teachers. So when we, if he's writing about it in the churches so far back, and it's recorded for us to learn, 
and to be also aware of false teachers coming into our church, into churches around the world. It's happening. It has happened. And it's still continuing on. It will not go away. We need to be prepared. And Paul was telling Timothy. So when I read the Bible, I'm not reading it as Paul and Timothy. I'm reading it as, what is Paul telling me? Even before I, God called me into ministry. What am I to learn? I'm a Timothy here learning from a man that knows much more than I do. Paul turned to matters relating to the conduct of the church. Paul began with what he considered most important, and that is prayer. Ah, there we go. We're up there. And um, for Timothy to succeed, he needed to understand the fight, the first thing he should do leading his church, and that is to pray. But also for you and I, I'm always looking to apply the Bible to my life. So when I'm reading this, I'm also thinking, well, the first thing I need to do is pray. How many times do we get into a problem and we think, well, I must phone someone and tell them what this is going on. I need some help from somebody. Is it the first thing you get into a situation, pray, to pray, to take it to the Lord in prayer? Was it to write to someone, to complain about something, take the problem to someone else? Do you take it first to God in prayer? Many of us in the church today have many needs with huge problems on our hearts and minds. We have faltering marriages. We have wayward children. Unemployment. Scary diagnosis coming in our lives as we get older and that, facing different problems and needs. These are important to understand that Paul is telling Timothy, take it to prayer. First thing, everything, any news you get. Don't get anxious. Don't fall apart. And, and read into matters that are not even there yet. Because you just build yourself in such an anxiety, you can't think about taking this to prayer. We start to even allow ourselves to think that God can't handle this. Because when we don't take it to pray, prayer, what are we actually saying? God, I don't think you can really handle this. I think Paul wanted us to know that our prayer time with God is not a suggestion. God created us to be unique and purposeful. It's not a suggestion. When you read it in that first verse, look with me again on verse 1 of chapter 2. First of all, he's not asking him to think about it. He's telling him this is how you're going to be able to fight. This is how your spiritual journey will get very strong. God is the God of order, and out of this order comes the need for people to stop and consider all that he has done. When you do this, when you stop and consider what God is doing, what, he's been, what He has been doing in His life. I have so many men telling me to record my journey. Record it, journal it. And every time I ask them, why do you say that? He says, because when you hit trouble and you don't understand what God is doing, you can go back to that and see the pattern of how He's worked in your life. You can see what you've been through before. You see your, your mistakes. You don't want to do that again. You want to look at that and say, oh, that's what I did and this is how God came through. So when you're considering what's going on, you're actually spending time in worship. You're trusting what you know about God and your journey with Him. And just as the Lord Jesus led us in every way through His example on earth, so the Father leads us by saying, first of all, stop. Just stop where you are and pray. First time I saw this made it clear to me was with Pastor Jake. First time he met me, this is foreigner from Zimbabwe. For those that are visiting here, I'm from Zimbabwe. And he shook hands and he looked straight in my eyes and said, you know what, I want to pray with you. And pulled me into his chest. 
this man I don't even know wants to hug me. I don't know what to do with myself. But he just started to pray in my ear. And you know what? I was in need of prayer. I was so struggling on that. And that stop and pray now. Being ready to pray as you hear somebody going through a difficulty is so powerful and so very, very important. Someone wisely said, Satan laughs at our toiling, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Really, really think about that. Because that's what Fight the Good Fight is all about. For us to grow and influence others, we're going to be attacked. It is a fight. It is to understand. And where you'll be able to get through this is through prayer. As you see on the board there, I also looked at the uh, first, uh, the New King James Version, and it says, Therefore I exhort you first of all, and I looked up the word exhort, to encourage, to really encourage people to pray. So that's what I'm going to hopefully do here this morning, is to drive home and encourage you the power of prayer. And I can say to you, I have left Zimbabwe, I got saved when I was 25, and I have been on a journey with God, and prayer is powerful. I cannot have done what I've done without trusting what he has said about prayer here. It is important, and I really want to encourage you. Paul is encouraging us. He's insisting us. The church, believers, the first thing is to pray. The Holy Spirit works in the church through prayer and the Word of God. We have this book of truth that is for us to understand. It's, as I was reminded this morning, this is a love letter from God. It really should draw you back and back into it over and over again. It's so important to have that relationship with God. Uh, Pastor Gary Walker gave me some books from his library when he retired, and one of the older books I found, the pages are even going brown. They've aged. I couldn't find the date of it, but it's by Ian Bounds. And and he wrote, We are constantly on a stretch, if not on a strain, to devise new methods, new plans, new organizations to advance the church and secure enlargement and efficiency for the gospel. This trend of the day has a tendency to lose sight of the man or sink the man in the plan or organization. God's plan is to make much of man, far more of him than of anything else. Men are God's method. The church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. And then the whole realm of that global leadership, the emphasis was quite important there about faithful men, the church teaching and people growing and understanding the Word of God and developing themselves. As I've said, that verse that God put on my heart in Matthew twenty-one thirteen, when Jesus said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. How often do you use this house? How often do you tell people that just up the road here, we have this awesome church where you could just go and pray? You wanted this church, you desired this church. When Pastor Moses was here and I, we talked about, what do you think of these beautiful churches around America? He said, oh my goodness, fantastic. But they don't seem to use it other than on Sunday. And I said, I see the same thing too need to use this facility to bring people to come and pray and to share one another's prayers. 
So what does entreaties and supplications mean? So on verse 1 it says, First of all, then I urge you that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. Now I want you to keep noting this word all throughout as I speak here. And you'll see this is a very important thing in the church today. Some people misconstrue this word of all. It implies a deep sense of need a means of telling God about the special needs in the lives of people around us. Do you do that? Or are your prayers all about yourself, about your family, about your needs, your business, what you're involved in? How am I going to make the money I need to make? How am I going to be able to pay these bills? How am I able to keep this? I hate my job. I wish you could find me another job. Are those the kind of prayers? Think about trying to dig into what is God wanting us to be praying about? Because God is the great provider. I learned that back when I decided I needed to be like an Abraham. This guy understood something. To take his son up to sacrifice him. Oh my goodness, what did he know? How much trust, what powerful faith that is. That God is the great provider. It's about the people around us. How do we reach people around us? God wants to reach people. With a great sense of urgency. Do you have a great sense of urgency for the lost? You know, the, the speakers that were foreigners on the... As Sam calls me, a foreigner. Um, there were three other foreigners on the Global Summit. And guess what they said when they asked him about America? Said, oh, this is the most amazing country. This is... God has blessed this nation. Unbelievable. It's bigger and better and than we could even expect it. This is the land of freedom, liberty. This is a land of opportunity. This is how as foreigners see your country. It's not going like you're seeing it. You need to fight the good fight. It's, it's not as good as you had it before. Well, then fight for it. Fight for it. Because it's all about the people. What are the people looking at to get what they want? It's not about who's leading your country. Israel Put their eyes on man, not on God. Look what's the mess they're in. It's about getting our eyes back on the Lord. To plead, it carries with it the utter dependence on the one who can meet the need. Only God can change this. God alone can meet the needs. Okay. Ephesians 3.20 and 21 says... Chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus in all generations forever and ever. Amen. All generations. James in chapter 4, verse 2 says, You do not have because you do not ask. I started to circle that time and time again over the years of my Bible. I am praying, God. I am asking. And it kept coming back. What do, you, what do you mean you're asking? What are you asking about? What is important to you? What is important now to me? I know what you need before you even need it. What is important to me? So I started to have to think about what is God wanting us to pray about? What is important to God? Kenneth Boer wrote, Spiritual growth is impossible apart from the practice of prayer. How's your spiritual walk? How's your marriage? How's your children? How's the business? How's anything you're involved in? 
If it isn't going right, if you're not comfortable, if you're not full with joy, peace, happiness, you're not involved in sharing the Word of God, you're frustrated, everything around you is just demoralizing. Are you practicing prayer? He also wrote, just as the key to quality relationship with other people is time spent in communication. So the key to a growing relationship with the personal God of heaven and earth is time invested in speaking to Him in prayer and listening to His voice in scriptures. So how much time do you invest in prayer? I remember saying to my sons, we sat down at the dining room table and I grabbed a A4 piece of paper and I said, okay, let's look at how much time you spend on your PlayStations, Xbox, whatever it is there in your room. And let's look at your quiet time. So give me your quiet time and we'll draw a circle. There's the clock. I drew the clock and say, so from this time to that time you spend in the Word and this time you prayed. Okay. So what was the rest of the day look like? That's all you gave God. So think about that. Draw a clock at lunch today and say, let's have a look at how much time we actually invest in the Word of God and in the time of prayer. It's really important because through that, we are communicating to God, but we're also having a time where we've got to give Him the opportunity to communicate to us so we know where we're going. Come back to me with the, with the Scriptures there. Let's have a look at the next part there. It says, And thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. Thanksgiving is very, very important. But, sorry, I need to just go back a bit on petitions and intercessions. So just pray on behalf of others, boldly. It is the idea of having an intimate conversation with somebody that you really, really can do this with. Another explanation is that of drawing near to, that you could converse in a familiar way. Christ is our intercessor, the one that stands between God and us on our behalf. Are we to stand in the gap between them and God and them being those that don't know God? There's a gap there. They don't know how to reach God, but we do. So if we know and understand that Christ is interceding for us between the Father and us, He's he's there doing that. It's told in Scripture. It's a very important part He plays to stop God's wrath upon us. So if you've read, as I've encouraged people, read through the Bible. You want to know God's character? It's in the, you'll find and know how to develop an understanding of God's character through the Old Testament. But we don't see that character coming out so much in the New Testament and in our lives today. Why? Because Jesus stands before him and, sit and stops him, like Moses did for Israel. So then there's people around us that don't know how to get to God. We have to fill that gap in their lives. You guys have got it up there. Um, Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says, Therefore he, has, he is able to also save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. It is our privilege to intercede on behalf of people. I wrote down five things. Are we interceding for fellow saints, for your deacons, your elders, your pastors, for those that are in the mission field. Israel. How often do you think about Israel? How often do we pray for Israel? Of nations, of other nations that have lost their way. Unsaved people. 
that they might know Jesus Christ on behalf of rulers. Because the verse says, be made on behalf of all men. All men to be thankful. And that's been a difficult step for me to be very thankful of certain men in my life. Very, very difficult. Growing up in a country that was at war all the time and then get taken over by a dictator who was so cruel to humans. It was unbelievable. How am I supposed to take that step? Thanksgiving. How do we, how do we say thanks in difficult situations? How do we thank God when we face a circumstance that is hurting us or our family? And I had to think about that for a while, and, it's, and we really need to be doing it right. We have to have the right attitude. The mood of our spirit in which we pray. Think about how often we thank God with a grateful heart in difficult situations. And watch how this plays out. Philippians 4.6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I was going through a difficult time and I wrote to a friend and said to him, be praying for me as I'm facing this. And by the tone of my email, he came back to me and said, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication and have you said thanks to God. I was like, really? How can I be thankful in this situation? I'm trying to figure this out. But look what it says with thanksgiving. And when I really put that into my thought, look what else it says. Then make your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. You're not going to understand how he's going to bring peace in the situation you're facing. But he did. I thanked him. I said, God, I don't know how this is going to work out, why I'm going through this. But I know I have to be thankful. And through it all, I know eventually I'll know your perspective on this. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says, and 18, Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In everything give thanks. And how many of us say, I really would love to know what God's will is in my life? Just look at that verse there. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pray without ceasing. How important is that? So would you turn to your Bibles again and let's look at verse 2 and 3 with me. And this is an important part I would like to really have your concentration on, especially the men in the room too. For kings, all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. We can please God. That's what it says. This is good and pleasing to God. How do we do that? How do we handle those situations? Do nothing from selfish... In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 5, it says, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves which is also in Christ Jesus. How is your attitude towards your president of this country? When I get around different people and men and conversations, oh my goodness, 
And when I left my country and others left and we got together, we just tore ourselves apart by talking about things about our leader that just did everything what it says here. It still, I wasn't tranquil. I, could, I was not quiet. And all godliness was gone. As, as we get in deeper and deeper into the conversation of the leader, you're getting more and more bitter and twisted and angry. And there was, there's, you eventually lose all dignity. Think about what this verse says. Are you praying and thanking God for your president, for your boss, for anyone who's in authority over you? Are you thankful? You have to check your attitude on that. Think about that. And so as the time passed, as I spent time away from my country and watching this feud build up as people got together and angry that they had lost their country and kicked out of home, God's telling me how we can handle this. So I started to pray for this man, Robert Mugabe, and I started to thank him. And I started to tell my parents and other people, and they just got angry with me. How can you do that? How can you just let that go? The Word of God tells me I need to be praying for those all in authority. Who put him in power? Not you. Why, if you read through the whole Bible, who puts these guys in power? God. And why does he do it? Because he's bringing the people back to him. Why is he there? The big question is the answer is in the Bible. You do not have to get bitter and twisted about it. We have to go out to the people and say to them, you need to look to Christ. He's always there. He's waiting. And it's us that's straining. Israel kept straining. You want a king? You want a leader? Well, go for it. Look at the book of Judges. The whole book of those leaders and it comes down to the same verse. They did what was right in their own eyes. What a mess. Absolute mess. And people are looking in the wrong place. The answer is in the Word of God. He has chosen to put that leader there to get your attention. So I started to realize that. Thank you, Lord, for him. Because you got my attention and I left that place. And I'm standing here today. I am more blessed than I can even imagine. I am thankful that I look to God to help me understand what is going through. I encourage you. And if you think Paul is telling Timothy this and, and you might be sitting there thinking, which I've had some people say, yeah, but that's in that time. You don't, they, you know, this is a different time. Oh my goodness. If you pick up an old church history book and find out what these Christians were going through, there was an emperor called Nero. He butchered the Christians. He fed them to animals. He burnt them. They were under serious persecution. This was a nasty guy. He even Burnt down Rome and then blamed the Christians for it. Free for all for Christians. This was a horrible time. And he's telling this young man to fight the good fight. Pray for these leaders. Because if you do, you will have a tranquil life in all godliness and dignity. It does work. Think about Daniel. I'm going to skip a slide there to slide 11. This will work. No? Okay. Think about Daniel, Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house, now in his roof chamber. He had windows open towards Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks. If you read the book of Daniel, what an amazing man of God, how he went through that, trusting God in every aspect of his journey there. 
And he always gave thanks. No matter what he faced, he prayed and gave thanks in all situations. And they were after him. They knew it. They knew the way we could catch him is to get this decree passed. And we'll know where to find him. But he didn't compromise his walk with God. Are we compromising our time with God? Turn with me to verse 4 and 5 there. It says, Who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. God wills all men to be saved, but not in the sense of a decree. God has not decreed that all men will be saved. This is evident by ungodly and unrighteous living, lived by so many around us. God wills all men to be saved in the sense that He loves and longs for them to be saved. If anyone perishes, it's his own fault. God has done all that He can. He has provided the way for man to be saved. If a man is now lost, is it not his choosing? When I read that paragraph, I thought, what an important aspect this man was writing about and how important it is to know that we need to take the truth out to people to help them make that right choice. What is the knowledge of truth? This breaks it down into three aspects here. There is only one God, one mediator who gave himself as a ransom for all. The truth that all can be saved from sin judgment and death to come. This is through believing in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Most of us believe that. We do have the knowledge of truth. How are we using that? God loves man so much that he provided the way for man to be saved. That is the truth. And that truth is the truth that God wants man to know. So how are we doing in getting man to know about this truth? Jesus gave himself as a ransom. He paid for us all our sins. This act is clear and it was a testimony given at the right time. Galatians 4 verses 4 and 7 says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of, as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. This is the reason we should pray for all men, both rulers, high, low, educated, uneducated, moral, immoral, unjust, civilized, those in the wildest part of the the world, the savages. God wants all men to be saved regardless of who they are and no matter how evil they are either. In, and John 3.16 It's my next slide. Oh. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is a verse that really impacted me and I'm sure impacted so many of us. Love the whole world and the importance of gathering together there. In Ezekiel thirty-three eleven, it says, Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord God, 
I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from, this, from his way and live. Turn back, turn back. Your evil ways, why then will you die, O house of Israel? And if you turn with me in verse, to verse 7, finally it says, For this I have appointed a preacher, an apostle, I am telling the truth. I am not lying, as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Made me think about what is a preacher. Paul was also written that he was appointed a herald. And as I looked up these words, it became clear that he's a messenger. And it made me think about how, how the Lord used Gary Walker. Yeah, Gary Walker was thought he was going to Ireland on holiday. He was. But he also delivered a message to me. He had time to invest in this stranger in Ireland. He had time to share his testimony and he had time to share his passion about Jesus Christ, which infected me. He planted an investment in me that brought me here. So in closing, I had three things that I drew personally out of this and the importance of what Paul is teaching that we need to all understand about sound doctrine, sound teaching about the Word of God. Very, very important. And to be very aware of false teachers. He wrote about it then, and it's been going on and on and on throughout the churches. Public prayer and worship. Very, very important. And it's not happening today. So many people I've met and talked about prayer, they just say, I, I'm too busy. Jeez, when I really think of it, I just don't have the time. And then their spiritual walk is not working. And then the third one, Paul is investing in men. Look at all these men that just have, have his heart and soul poured out into their lives. So are we investing in anybody in particular? How much time are you putting into somebody that can do something with it? And one of the closing speakers at um, the Global Summit ended with this verse, Matthew 9, verses 37 and 27. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. How can we do that? How can we do that and fulfill that? And in my last verse there, uh, last slide, on two uh, Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, I was at ranchers' camp this summer speaking there, and an older man came up to me and he said to me, which I never knew, and he said, Wayne, I'd like to take you somewhere, and he took me for a walk. We went up this hill, and here was this beautiful view on top of this mountain, looking over hills and mountains as far as I could see. There were two benches there and a little memorial to someone. He said, yeah, we've been doing this for years, but I don't know what happened why we don't come here and pray anymore. This used to be, when I was a young boy, we used to come up here and pray twice a day. Now we don't even do it. And he asked, would you come up and pray? I have a picture of that. Would you go down and talk to men about prayer? God is really encouraging me about prayer, and I hope I can encourage you about it this morning. It is so important. We went up there, and I said to God, well, how do I get these men up here? And what do I say? And that's how I, would, I talked to God. And so on my way down, 
I am as nervous and I haven't, don't know what words to say, but I walked up to each man and said, would you like to come up to this mountaintop here and pray with me? And there were men on strollers, just guys who could hardly walk. And they said, yes. And we walked up to this mountain. We got up there and I said to God, what can I share? And I knew part of a verse that started coming to my mind and Gary Walker was there and I gave him part of it. So we sat down and we dug through the Bible, through the concordance and we found it. And that's 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, if you'd like to turn there. And this verse I'd like you to have in your hearts and minds for your country, for your nation. And in the NIV, as Linda pointed out to me at the break, verse says, if my people, and in the New American Stand says, and. So I'm going to go with what Linda says. It has more impact. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. So who's in control of this great country, this land? It's Jesus Christ. It's God. He's saying, you, humble yourselves. Seek my face, not your leader. Trust him. This is a great nation that is worth fighting for. Fight for the good fight. And let's fulfill what Jesus is saying. My house is called a house of prayer. Let's keep it that way. Let's make it grow stronger. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Paul's investment in Timothy. We thank you that this was your inspired word recorded there for all of us to realize the importance of, first of all, to pray. Lord, it is so powerful if we could all have your Holy Spirit just to help us, strengthen us, help us to invest the time in prayer because everything we invest in you, you reward us tenfold. I've seen that over and over again. Lord, we thank you for the truth. We thank you what Jesus Christ did on the cross and is interceding day after day for us. Help us to intercede for those around us, our neighbors, our friends, those that have no understanding about life and how to live life. Lord, may we glorify your name in our behavior and our will to serve you and reach out. Thank you, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. Thank you.